Those of us in campus public safety have been working really hard day and night thinking about how we can improve campus safety on our campuses across this nation. Campus Roll Call is designed to provide a space for practitioners, academics, community members, and department members to engage in thoughtful conversations about issues that matter to us. My name is Ron L. Higgins. I am the Director of Public Safety and Chief of Police at Yale University. I want to welcome you to Campus Program. My name is Ron L. Higgins, and I am the Director of Public Safety and Chief of Police at Yale University. Uh, today, uh, I am not joined by my co-host, Assistant Chief Anthony Campbell, but our, our guest today is Mr. John Brehan, uh, co-owner of the Devil's Gear Bicycle Shop. You know, when we first began this podcast, and we, we, we talked about what it is that we wanted to talk about. And we said that we wanted our podcast, Campus Roll Call, to be about conversations about race, equality, policing, public safety, leadership, and community. And I just wanna share an experience that I had earlier this week when I went into to the Devil's Gear Bike Shop. I went to the Devil's Gear Bike Shop and I walked in at about 4.15 and I didn't leave the bike shop located here in downtown New Haven until about a quarter after six. John, myself, and another local media personality, Joe Ugly, had a had such a great discussion. I wanted to kind of bring that discussion here today to Campus Roll Call. So, John, thanks for joining us today. Um, can you please tell the, the viewers of Campus uh, roll call a little bit about yourself and we'll get right into it. Well, Chief, thank you for having me. I am John Brehan, friends of folks call me Johnny B. I am a <laughs> co-owner of the Devil's Gear Bike Shop. And this shop bike this bike shop been in existence for this is our 20th year. And it was started based on community all about community. It didn't matter where you lived and New Haven. If you were in New Haven, you were part and you rode a bike, you were part of the same community. And that's what I loved about the Devil's Gear. I started working, believe it or not, I was in the pharmaceutical business. You know, I wow. moved to New Haven and I always wanted to own a bike shop. And my grandfather said to me, God will give you a bike shop when you're ready, but also he will give it when you least suspect it and on his terms. <laughs> and lo and behold, Matt was like, hey, I need your help. Would you mind being my partner? And I was like, all right, granddad. Thank you very much. Thank you, <laughs> And lo and behold, I'm one of the few, I'm probably the only 
black owner of a bike shop in the, in the state of Connecticut, I think. But, wow. um, and I've been in the industry, but it's what I feel for New Haven is community. I love the community. Yeah. And I'm so, an so, outsider too. Yeah, let's talk about that. And uh, we, uh, you, you're from Monterey, California. Mm-hmm. And, and I shared with you that I, I went to school. I did my, uh, my master's degree at the Naval Postgraduate School yep. in Monterey, California. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful place. Beautiful place. I used to go mountain biking right there, right be, right behind Laguna Seca. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I was actually out there. I was working for, as I was working as a pharmaceutical rep, but also I, part-time on the weekend, I would work for this company called Veltech Sports. And that's how exactly. I actually got into the industry of cycling, full steam ahead. And then I was like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of working for the pharmaceutical. I want to do something that I like to enjoy. And then we moved here so, to New Haven. So, so John, Johnny B, we, something happened when at, something happened at the bike shop earlier this week. I walked in. A good friend of mine, Patricia Melton, heard I was in the market for a bike. She directed me directed me to the Devil's Gear bike shop and you were there we started talking joe ugly comes in but even before joe ugly came in you said something to me that triggered uh probably a 90 minute discussion and, and you, you know said what? you're right i remember <laughs> yeah. how your face like kind of you actually have to take your mask off actually <laughs> <laughs> i did i did i did uh you said chief i want to thank you guys in the Yale PD, and I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. for taking care of the wheelie kids. And I looked at you because I didn't I didn't make the connection between biking and the young people on on bikes in New Haven who get together, who ride and do tricks. And you you started to tell a story about the wheelie kids. And I, I honestly I brought you up here this afternoon so we can kind of recapture that vibe and for you to kind of share your perspective on these young people that we find sometimes who are riding bikes in New Haven and they're doing tricks. You had an, you had a, such an interesting perspective that it actually enlightened me. And I want to enlighten others on your perspective. Yeah, so I think it's part of the bike life culture around I can't even say around the United States, it's around the world. And it started from urban kids popping wheelies. And I call Mm. them the wheelie, I call them wheels up kids, right? And they like adults, right? Some are kids, but some are adults. And I remember saying to you, those are our kids. You did. I'm responsible for those kids, right? They come to the shop especially the ones in New Haven, I give them ownership of this shop. They have to take care of the shop. When they come in, when they are around the front of the shop, no foolery, no cursing. Mm-hmm. And I give them ownership. And I, I think most people see these kids as menace to society. Mm-hmm. And what I see these kids, they are 
disturbers, meaning they are the, the ones who will change the world mm-hmm. in the sense of Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. Martin Luther King, Gandhi. You have to be a disturber. You have to be outside the box to change the world. And then the world will follow. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing. And believe it or not, it's happening. And we're talking like kids that are like seven, eight years old, popping wheelies. It's just like in New Haven, at the end of each month, the first, the last Friday of the month, you have critical mass. Critical mass mm-hmm. is a huge thing across the country. But it's not like when these kids do a rollout, they are organized, they have rain dates. Like, I'm like, y'all got rain dates? And this kid is like 10 year old. Yes, I have a rain date. Yeah. That's like, wow. Well, I've been to critical mass and it's like, we're not that organized. Yeah. But most importantly, these kids are doing something. They love each other. I mean, they coming from different hoods. Mm-hmm. And outside of the city. Outside the city, coming from Philadelphia, Boston, New York, Woodbridge, Woodbridge, uh, Greenwich, yeah, you know, um, Fairfield, and they come in, and their parents are dropping them off. Yeah, and it's it's a culture in itself. And when you see these kids, it's not just black and brown; it's a, a rainbow out there with young ladies in them. And mm-hmm. all of that. And they, it's weird because the bike is the connection. Mm-hmm. And when they see each other, it's like, okay, yeah. Let me see yeah. what you can do. Let me see what you can do. They still want to get got. what you got. And it's, it's weird yeah. because it's their way of showing love. Yeah. It's their way of like, you know what? Yeah, you may be different than me. You may be from the hill. I'm from New Hallville or Fairhaven. But, dude, when we own the bikes, I got nothing but love for you. Yeah. So, so you know, we have, we have noticed that there have been groups of kids, young people on bikes for some time. And then during COVID, it kind of subsided. But what we noticed last year, once things began to open up some, man, this the, the biking culture, the wheelie kids, they came back full steam. And it felt like there were more of these young people on bikes. And it also felt like they just wanted to be out there expressing themselves. And we noticed that they started to come around to the campus. They started to come around Hill House Avenue. And we didn't know why until we started to engage them. And we learned that there was a there was a street, the street, Hill House Avenue, the grade of the street declines going down towards Trumbull Street, and it enables them to do their tricks and, and show their stuff. And we we received some calls from, from community members about some 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 minor crimes that that occurred involving some of the kids and what happens is once one person in the group does something we tend to look at the entire group 
like they're responsible. John, once we started to talk to these young folks, and let me be more specific, once some of my officers, okay, Officer Matt Franco and, and some others started to talk to these young people, they don't want to be associated with that. They're out there expressing themselves. They're out there just trying to be seen. And you said something to me in the shop that you, Joe, and I talked about, and you said, not everyone wants to play basketball. Not everyone wants to play football. Not everyone wants to play soccer. And we took the, the rims down in the parks during COVID and yes. kids had nothing else to do. So they turned to the bikes and now they're riding. And now they're riding. They're riding. They are commuting, communicating with each other. They, it's, so we see these kids and we see, some folks see a problem, but just like an iceberg, it's just a tip. Riding a bike helps them with their mental health. People don't realize mm. like these kids are going through and, and they, they, they understand the George Floyd. They understand this mm -hmm. and them taking the, taking riding out on the street is just them saying, look at us you're not going to ignore us anymore just because we're young mm -hmm. we know what we're doing we're we don't want uh, most of the kids who cause mayhem when they do a ride out are generally kids who are not from the area yeah, yeah. what i have found out um it was one incident where they some kids would in the winter they were like Throwing snowballs. Those kids came all the way up from Bridgeport. Yeah. Right? Um, but they, these kids also, and it doesn't matter where they are, they are saying, look at us. We, you know what? We are dealing with COVID also. And you might say, the kid, kids should have it easy. Some kids are coming from broken homes, right? Some kids, their mom has to work. Don't you think they're concerned about their mom getting sick and passing away or their grandparents? Mm. Right? And no mm. one never think about that. Mm. Their mom are working two jobs. Mm. So the kid can actually get a bike, right? Right. So the kid can actually get a bike. Mom, right. you don't think that weighs down on that, that child? Like, oh my God. Like, I, I mean, even I had to think about it like, I was like, geez, I didn't have yeah. to deal with that when I was coming up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, John, can you, can you talk about some, some, can you provide some examples of some, some of the young people, some of the, the, the wheelie, the wheels up kids that you've met, you don't have to use any names, but just some of the kids that you've met. And, and when you met them, there was kind of this standoff and you, they had to gain your trust and kind of get a sense of who you are uh, before they began to trust you and how that's worked out for you. Yeah. Um, I would say when you come here today, you're going to meet Nas. Nas okay. You're on my bike today. <laughs> yeah. Nas has a big old Afro and I keep kept like when he was younger and Nas has been yeah. working here for almost like three years. He's okay. the, one of the original wheelie kids. Okay. When they graduated from Hill House. 
Okay. And he works here in the shop. And mm-hmm. Nas, I was like, dude, first thing first, before you start working here, you got to get a haircut. Right? <laughs> and my wife met him and she was like, yeah, you need to get a haircut. And I had to think about it. That's his identity. Right? Now, I may get on him like an old man. I'm like the angry black man, right? The grumpy old black man, like, yeah, yeah. But it comes across as tough love sometimes. And Nas is like one of those kids. I've seen him grow up. He was shy. He was quiet. And Nas, the backstory is he's dealing with, he's still dealing with a lot of things. But I think him coming to the shop, it's a, it's a relief valve. And he deals with the wheelie kid. Yeah. He goes out there, all right, we want to have this nonsense out here. You know, he kind of like checks them and get them in place. Yeah. And then I have a young kid named David. David, smart, bright, intelligent, and just needed some guidance. Yeah. And it's like, not like a heavy hand guidance. It's like, all right, let me see your report card. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets five bucks for every A. Now we heard this story before. They they hold wow. me. Hey, I got my report card. How many A's you got? Seven. I'm like, gee, Nelly, you're killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> all right, you got? Uh, I got all A's. I'm on the I'm on the, the principal's dean's list. Oh my god! Like this. I said, all right, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't give you. I can't give you five bucks. But let's get some spokes. Let me give you some spokes. Let yeah, me some let's, let's barter. <laughs> yeah, I said, because I got to feed my family too, right? <laughs> I got to feed killing me. Before, but I I don't know. I have three boys, and I look at all these kids as my kids. Yeah. All these yeah. kids are yeah. my kids. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they look like. It's like, dude, I have my, one of my sons is a hardhead knucklehead, but he someone guided him in the sense where this is his last year of college. And he's doing well, and he's great growth for his MBA. And that was like my hard-hit knucklehead, right? So someone had to talk to him when dad, he had he put dad on mute. And I'm talking to these kids, and I get the parents, and I get the, the moms to come in and it's like, oh, you're Johnny. You're, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm like, and I thought, yeah, how you doing? My son comes home and like, he says, it's this, it's this man, he's so, sometimes he can be real mean, he raises his voice, but before we leave, he asks you want a piece of candy? Go and take a piece of candy. Don't drop the wrapper in my, in my, <laughs> on the ground. Go get a piece of candy, you know? And yeah. I tell these kids, be safe out there, be respectful, and don't be afraid to talk. Talk to your talk to one another. Talk to one another. If your mom doesn't understand, your father, your grandmother doesn't understand, talk to one another. Yeah. That's most important. John, John, thank thank you for being who you are. I I often talk about and I talk about with this with my staff with our police officers. I talk about meeting 
people where they are, meeting young people where they are. And meeting them where they are doesn't necessarily mean, as you described, as soon as you meet them, say, well, this is what you need to do in order to talk to me or in order to work here. You need to get a haircut. Okay, you need to do this. You need to do that. You know, let's let's celebrate their, their differences and let them be their authentic self. I'm, you know, I'm going to say this. I got to say this, right? <sighs> Nothing against my New Haven police officers. But Adam, Maurice, Adam has, and Maurice have gone out, pulled money out of their pockets so a kid can get a break job. And you know what? They see that. And I say, what do you say? Thank you. And they're like, you know what? And it, and all it takes is just an opening of the door to create that relationship. Yeah. And then the follow-up yeah. is, the, oh, yeah. oh, let me see you do a wheelie then. I, I just fixed your brakes. Let me see what you can do. Yeah. What you got? What you, what got? you got? So, so Johnny, <laughs> you're talking about Officer Adam Morong and Officer Maurice Staggers, two avid bikers here at the Yale Police Department. There's there's more. In fact, there's so many people riding now. That's probably what motivated me to, to get out there and start riding as well. I need to up my game before I ride with those guys. But um, but what you're, what you're talking about reminds me of uh, something I heard um, Senator Cory Booker say. Um, he was then the mayor of Newark, New Jersey. He came to Yale University for class day. And during his class day speech, he talked about um, a simple act of kindness. This is that, a simple act of kindness. Each and every one of us filling up that, that, that bucket of, of goodwill. We all have a responsibility to do it. And I'm, I'm glad that you recognize uh, the work that they're doing to engage young people. So, so Johnny, what, let me ask you a question. If you had to speak to a, a room full of police officers or better yet, a room full of police leaders, what would you say to them about young people today and, and the bike culture? I would say, talk to them with respect and ask them how they're doing. Don't be afraid to say yeah. hello. What's up? What you got, right? What you got when you're on the bike? You know, you don't be afraid to say that. Because you know what? In their eyes, they see police as bad guys. Y'all got a bad rap now, right? And they see police as bad guys, right? And it's going to take some time to break down that barrier. I mean, when I was growing up, I had an officer friendly. It was, a, it was this older gentleman, African-American cop who came to our school. He actually walked the beat, you know? And I understand maybe that's not conducive now because of shortages, but you know what? Don't be afraid to engage the community that you're in and don't assume that these kids are coming from broken homes some are, some are not. Some have 
large extended family where the grandmother and grandfather and as my son was saying, that's more rich than nature. And you cannot eat that. So take a time to just say, show that you are human. So we are human beings, no matter what we may look like. Amen. Amen. Um, John, we have a couple more minutes left. What's that? <laughs> yeah, well, it felt like it for a minute there. Um, we have a few more minutes left, and I just wanted to touch on a couple of things. Something that hasn't been mentioned yet, but I, I just want to underscore it. One of the biggest challenges on our campus and on most campuses in the United States uh, in terms of crime is bike theft. Um, right now, I think last I looked, we had nine bikes stolen in the last month. And each and every one of those bikes that was stolen, um, a cable lock was cut. The cable lock is easily defeated. And we, we try really, really hard to educate our community on using a U-lock. What advice would you give uh, community members and the police, um, the police in terms of how we can reach our community and educate more about the use of a U-lock in the community in terms of how um, they can not have their bicycle stolen? Well, I think go to your local, I think police, police officers should go to their local bike shop, find out what's some of the better life locks that are out there and let that person educate them so they can educate the public when for example Yale students are coming in mm -hmm. we don't even carry cable locks we stop carrying those good we carry u locks because good. we know that bike theft is up bike theft is up i want to say what i've seen probably more than 50 percent now mm -hmm. yeah about that and they're and they're leaving the state they're yeah. leaving the state yeah, a lot of bikes go to New York. So New York has a, a bigger shortage because there's more people. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, so just educate. So if they if a, if you don't know, go to the source. Mm -hmm. Go to the source. We and you got to realize you're you are you have police officers in New Haven. Need to be Yale. Either be uh, New Haven, mm -hmm. Southern, mm -hmm. come to us. We are we're we're part of your community. Yeah, we're part of your community. Let us teach you, and let us teach your staff, and let us teach the students. Like, hey, you want to get a new lock? Come to us. I mean, I'm to the point where if you told me, John, I need for you to come out to the campus and teach some new new folks on biking in new haven mm -hmm. i'm all down for it. you down for I'm it? all down for it. okay oh heck yeah okay all heck right yeah. rules of the road you know because technically you're not supposed to ride on the sidewalk here in new haven yeah 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 so I get those emails <laughs> <laughs> so i would be down to, to 
help you smooth out that bump. And, and, it's just another obstacle and another opportunity that we can make something positive. Well, this this is what it's all about working working with community stakeholders to provide a, a safe community environment. Um, yes. The last thing I want to ask you, John, you mentioned earlier, you talked earlier a little bit about the critical mass ride. Can you unpack that a little bit and just talk about how that came about? You spent some time in San Francisco as well, and, and you shared about some experiences on the West Coast with the critical mass. So critical mass came about, I want to say back in the late 70s, and it was take cyclists taking the street back because of pollution, um, because of congestions in the street with automobiles when you literally have one car, one person in a huge SUV and not carpooling. So they were like, we're going to stick it to the man. We're going to disrupt the flow. Mm. You ain't your car, we're going to def- you will get home late because we're going to slow it down mm-hmm. and it's going to be thousands of us, right? Mm-hmm. I think when I think about a ride out, it's slightly different than that. They're saying, you're going to look at us and you're going to respect us. You know, mm-hmm. where critical mass, and I could be wrong, it started with like young white folks who went to like college and they want to say, hey, this is what we need to do. Let's slow down traffic. Let's mm-hmm. be a thorn in whatever metropolitan they live in. The last Friday. Of- I, I tell a story to, to my officers often. And, and what I share with them is that, you know, each and every day, each interaction that we make, we are filling up that, that bucket of trust and goodwill. And the analogy I, I use is that bucket that we place outside that is filled up with, with raindrops, one drop at a time. And after a while, that, that bucket becomes full. But from time to time, something will happen or somebody will do something. Someone amongst our ranks will do something that is tantamount to that bucket just being kicked over and the water is spilled all, all over the place. And it makes a mess. It makes a mess for, for everybody. But the one thing that we can do is put that, sit that bucket upright again and then guard that bucket by good people, by hiring good people, having good policy, good training, and good supervision. And discussions like this help shape the lens, help form thoughts about how we can improve training, policy, and supervision. So my brother, I appreciate you. I thank you for coming on campus roll call today. I look forward to seeing you after five o'clock when I pick up my bike. And I'd love to do this again. Perhaps uh, me, you and Joe Ugly can just can just jump on campus roll call and vibe at a later date. Folks, our time is up. We want to thank you today for tuning in to campus roll call. Our guest today, Mr. Johnny Brehan affectionately known as Johnny B, co-owner of the Devil's Gear Bicycle Shop located on Chapel Street in New Haven, Connecticut. 
Have a great weekend, everybody, and see you next time on Campus Roll Call.